Hello, Edgar. Hello, Gregoire. Hi there. How are you doing? Well, on my side, everything seems to be okay, except that I'm melting. It's very hot in New York. It is <laughs> indeed. Eventually, we're going to have to have a talk about climate change with our friend uh, Susan Kasuf. Yes. We just need to schedule and let her know officially that uh, we want to do it with her, which she might know if she's listening to us now. <laughs> In any case... As we come to this new installment of Discussions on Psychoanalysis, what are we talking about today, Ewar? Well, today, Edgar, we are going to talk about modernity and postmodernity from a psychoanalytic lens, which we will go through in 30 minutes because that's how bright <laughs> we are. Wow, that's kind of a record for us. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> in any case, it will be... The last podcast that we recorded on the social. Correct. So we are closing a chapter there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it will be the last podcast of the summer. Mm -hmm. There won't be any podcast released in August. That sounds very French, perhaps. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. You know, French people do know how to rest. Exactly. It seems like American people. <laughs> no, we, we don't rest. <laughs> so we're talking about postmodernism and modernism. What specifically are we engaging in conversation with? Well, in this podcast, we're going to approach, of course, in a shallow way, but still uh, the best we can in this uh, frame. First, we are going to talk about the loss of transcendence, then the shift in sublimation and social assignation. Mm -hmm. We will talk about how in psychoanalysis, excluding the social might also mean excluding the conflict. Then we will approach the idea that psychoanalysis can become a religion in certain cases. And finally, we will talk about what we do with our own finitude. Mm. And all of that in 30 minutes? Man. Yeah, aren't we great? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's that we don't know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> We're pondering things together. Yes. It's not as much as an in-depth discussion as it should be. Mm -hmm. It is just like we used to do. Mm -hmm. As we always say, we welcome your comments or questions. You can reach us through our social media platforms or by email. And uh, we look forward to continuing this series of podcasts on discussions on psychoanalysis. Yes, and thank you especially to those who reached out to us after the last podcast. Mm -hmm. My name is Grégoire Pierre. And this is Edgar Francisco. Welcome to Discussions on Psychoanalysis. Modernity leads or led to a feeling of uncertainty that participated in the creation of psychoanalysis. And I would like our audience to keep in mind during the podcast that psychoanalysis is the product of the modern society that we are going to talk about. 
So one of the first theme is the loss of transcendence. The fact that in modern and postmodern societies, I don't think this is known, but there is less of an external reference, or at least that the external reference is questioned. Mm-hmm. I think what you're referring to as an example could be that before the modern times, God or the church became one of those external agents. Yes. And that disappears with modernity and even more with post-modernity. And how, as psychoanalysts, we need to hear how this is still influencing the way people relate to each other, relate to themselves, and the issues they bring into our sessions. For instance, we talked about the religion and how the American society is clearly more religious than the American one, but still, the American society, mm-hmm. nonetheless, still entered modernity and post-modernity. The society is not organized around religion as a structure. You will have uh, pockets of people who believe and who have mm-hmm. uh, who practice religion in a certain way mm-hmm. and who will use a reference to uh, a place where there is no doubt or there is no lack. Mm-hmm. But the society itself, the government, does not take the religious laws as the law of the land. I agree with you, and yet there are some remnants of how powerful the external agent, in this case religion, can be in some areas of American life, and one is politics. My perspective is that when there is a political discourse or speech, for example, people would end that saying, God bless America and God bless you. Yep. So there, those are remnants of powerful images of an external agent. I don't know what that remains true in the United States. I guess that's something that sociologists of a religion can explain better. But to your point, yes, we seem to be less governed by the external agent called God or the church. And as you're pointing out, this external agent is not completely removed from the society. No. So we find ourselves, especially in the U.S., in this uh, weird in-between, I would say. Yeah, it's a liminal space, the in-between, trying to be less structured by external agents and yet going back to them when needed. And maybe what we can see in our practice is that the need is still there. My sense, it has been replaced by an emphasis on narcissism and performance in work environment. That's, I think, where we find the most current expression Mm -hmm. of this need for transcendence. It moved from an external agent actually to people themselves, but to an image of themselves Mm -hmm. and to an image of being so devoted to their work, to their employment, to uh, probably somewhat a sacrificial figure. Mm -hmm. So the religion aspect is less organized around institutions, Mm -hmm. but it still is spread. I think we can hear that when we receive people and when they talk about some of their experiences at work or in society. Are you referring to the sense of transcendence? that has shifted from the external agent to a personal experience, meaning... Like God is within us. In Correct. Ways. That's, that's yes. the sense I have. And so it was uh, transformed into narcissism, the love of our images. Yes. It has always been there. You can hear already uh, in different major religions' books uh-huh. how the question of the image is at stake all the time. Yeah. Well, if we think of the image again, in fact, we had created God in our own image. What you're saying is that now we have internalized that it's not the external agent, but we 
are the gods. Well, it's <laughs> for people who believe, like we do, that God is a psychical creation. Mm-hmm. Yes, in okay. some ways, it's actually maybe now closer to what it always was. Correct. That it's always about this grandiose conception of human being. Mm-hmm. Which, in some ways, is extremely useful because it keeps people together. It clearly helps people find a goal in their life. Mm-hmm. It helps them find meaning. It helps them create a sense of community. But it is also, it can turn into something quite delirious. The loss of transcendence has another consequence, is that there's also a loss of sublimation that leads to the question of who is the subject and what is the self. Human beings used to live in societies where you were born a shoemaker and you would stay a shoemaker, no question asked. Mm-hmm. And modernity and postmodernity really emphasize the break that you could become someone else. And that created a void that we still face in our sessions today. Can you give us an example? What am I here for? Am I legitimate to want this kind of job? Am I allowed to want to be uh, better than my parents? Am I allowed to want to be part of the elite? Am I allowed to want to be part of this subgroup that I'm not supposed to be part of, etc.? I mean, the list could go on and on. How modernity created a, a space of, in some ways, infinite possibilities that actually come with I would say a side effect, which is that you have to fill out that void. And so the subject has to be created by the individual, him or herself. And that we see in our work. People are uncertain of what they should do. I see that in my work too. And connected to that, I hear some patients ponder if that is something that they should be doing. Because people in the world most of them are not able to do that kind of self-reflection we do in in psychoanalysis. What I'm saying is that it creates a sense of privilege that somehow some of my patients feel guilty about it. Also, the question of terrorism and uh, religious extremism Mm-hmm. can be heard in some way as a reaction to modernity. I think that it's possible to understand those behaviors, those movements, as a reaction to the anxiety that is deeply connected to modernity. Mm-hmm. People want order. They don't want the anxiety. If we stay in religion, you were born in a Muslim family, it doesn't mean you will stay Muslim, etc., etc. And the role of people as a man, what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do, as a woman, what you're supposed to do. Yes. And to, as we said last time, the question of men and women is uh, also heavily uh, socially determined. The identity of men and women is partially socially constructed and different society will impose different ways to be, etc. But still, within a modern society, you should have more leeway than in a pre-modern society where the roles are clearly determined even before birth. The extremes are always easier to point out than the nuanced, non-extreme points of the spectrum. So what you're saying is that modernity and postmodernity, perhaps more precisely, allows for the gray tones instead of black and white. And what I'm saying is that with the gray tone comes anxiety. Correct, yes. Because the extremes are easier to find. Therefore, anxiety is reduced. Yeah, it feels like uh, extremes feel very reassuring for some people. That's why one of the defenses that we see again and again is a splitting. 
the good and the bad, mm-hmm. there's a tendency to go into the good and bad because it's more difficult to talk about something that is in between. And we see that, I think, really clearly in our in our daily practice is mm-hmm. that people have to fill in the void of feeling possibilities with who they are. And that is unknown. That has to be created. It's not the only way to perceive it. Mm-hmm. But uh, one way to perceive a lot of the questions that our patients are bringing and probably that we are bringing when we are the patients is what do I do now? And the thing is, with modern and postmodern societies, there is no good or bad answer. It's yours. There is no right or wrong. It's determined by the individual in relationship with other individuals, of course. And that comes along with the question of how people relate to the idea of the future. Because when there's no more connection to the sacred or um, a, a weakened connection to the sacred, you can disrupt the future. I don't know where this joke or um, sentence comes from, but like uh, you can make uh, all the plan you want and uh, you're going to make God laugh. I think it goes something like man plans and God laughs. Yeah, I think that's closer uh, to it. Yeah. That's a pre-modern quote in some ways. Yes. Because that's still the idea that there is a destiny and mm-hmm. that whatever we do, we are doomed to go somewhere. There's a fate. We are talking about modern, pre-modern, post-modern societies. What's interesting is to see that the pre-modern society still exists too in our current time. Mm-hmm. And just like the psyche doesn't develop evenly, the society and people don't develop evenly either. Correct. And you will find a little space of pre-modern time in mm-hmm. every one of us. And I think the question of the destiny of fate is one of them. When you hear people in session talking about how they are destined to do that, it's a compensation for all the good things they did. It seems like all of us, you can hear that in some ways they are going back to a time where human societies were organized around sacred and magic. I I think it points again and again to the fact that we seem to need something that is larger than us. So when we go back to those points of the external agent, a sacred or fate, kind of a master puppeteer of our lives, I think we are in fact saying that we need something larger than us to complete us. Let's do a a little parenthesis. We wanted to address here why do analysts feel sometime or felt, uh, that's for sure, the need to exclude the social from their reasoning, their work. One of the things that we talked about before is, uh, of course, that for some people to include social considerations would make them feel like they're not psychoanalysts. But also one idea that I wanted to offer would be that to exclude the social might aim also at repressing internal dynamics. Probably more so in the U.S., psychoanalysis was in denial of the importance of social environment, maybe because of what it would mean to all those who came here to practice because of the Nazi persecution. Emily Kuriloff talks about it in one of her books, and you could hear in uh, one of the podcasts of new books uh, on psychoanalysis. She pointed out how analysts coming from New York, uh, how they wanted to fit in and how they adopted the American-slash-capitalistic uh, and individualistic point of view, leaving a lot of the social consideration at heart of the uh, what we would call a more European psychoanalysis. And that's interesting to us in uh, the frame of uh, modernity and postmodernity. So the disappearance of religion might have led to a religious understanding of psychoanalysis. 
and how, again, excluding the social was a way to exclude other understanding of psychoanalysis. So that led, in fact, to diminishing the role of sociology, anthropology, and research, and how it connects to psychoanalysis. Yes, and how psychoanalysis is a product of a society. My feeling is that, and I think that the irony, one of the irony mm -hmm. with ego psychology is that it was an expression of psychoanalysis that tried to present itself as scientific, as pure, Mm -hmm. And actually, it was extremely connected to the American society's uh, values. Individualism, adjusting to reality, etc. Adjusting to external reality instead of understanding how the external realities are in some ways oppressing you. Impacting the inner world of yes. individuals. And for psychoanalysts of the time, to exclude the social really allowed them, most certainly, mm -hmm to keep their understanding or their pretense of a scientific and pure psychoanalysis alive. Mm -hmm. I guess what you're saying is that eco-psychology is religion. It tends to be. Mm -hmm. I think any kind of school of thought can turn into some into kind of something. religion. In a sense that as soon as they pretend that they hold the truth, mm -hmm. it's over. Then as soon as you pretend that you hold the truth and the other ones are lying, etc., mm -hmm. you Cut yourself from creativity. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that because as critical as I can be of ego psychology, I still do think that sometimes when you read some authors, you might find something that you find interesting. Absolutely. Like, yeah. But if you look at a text and think, oh no, this is ego psychology, so it's bad. I'm pure in my self psychology. I'm pure in my attachment. I'm pure in my relational. Mm -hmm. I'm pure in my Lacanian, Lacanian etc. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're religious because you attach yourself to some kind of religious belief, to books, to Bibles. Yeah. Well, it makes me ponder then how powerful are some of our techniques. Or, for example, the fundamental rule. Is that our religion? It's a religion as soon as you don't question it. Mm -hmm. You see, as soon as you believe that you should do exactly what Freud did, the way he did, then it's, you have a religious, somewhat of a religious connection to what you're doing. If you look at what Freud did <clears throat> and question it and try to adapt it and take what you think is relevant and move on from what you think is not, yeah. then you have to keep with your critical mind that I believe religious uh, institutions are trying to control because Now, they are referring to uh, an external being that knows everything. And if you question that external being, you must be in the yes. wrong. But how do we question psychoanalysis how can we question psychoanalysis some people try to question psychoanalysis through research are we giving research the status of religion sometimes yes uh, and you see that's a point that is connected to modernity and especially postmodernity is the scientific discourse that is trying to offer somewhat non-relative discourse supposedly independent from the one who objective yes and mm -hmm. then science becomes a religion mm -hmm. because it's disconnected from the critical mind that you need when you're doing actually research mm -hmm. if you already know the end of your research before you You started. Mm -hmm. This is now research. I think the way we can still maintain an interesting connection to psychoanalysis is to not be so anxious about criticizing it, not be so anxious about trying new things, but still stay in touch with what we experience as, let's say, something of the core values of psychoanalysis. What you're saying demands that we pull the rug uh, from under our feet. And isn't that 
anxiety producing. It can be. Exactly. And you see, that's why we have people who are even in psychoanalysis very attached to belonging to a school or to an institution. Yes. Because then they belong and it makes them feel less anxious. Yes. And as soon as you start questioning the institution or their school of thought, they attack you. It sounds like a no-win situation because then what would be the rug that we need to put under our feet? For our patients. What like do you mean? As soon as we act as psychoanalysts, as, as believers, this is our patients that we are failing because we can't hear them. So you're saying that we should not believe in that, what we do? That we should be flexible in what we believe in. Yes. I agree on that. That, uh, that but you see, for example, like you see a patient, and that's something that happened to me. I saw a patient who really wanted to be in psychoanalysis, and this person really wanted what was experienced by her as a pure psychoanalysis, which meant me sitting behind the sofa and her lying down three times a week. Yes. And I did it. At the time, I was uh, very eager to have that experience myself. Mm -hmm. And I think today, I think the how to stay alive and to not move into a religious connection psychoanalysis, is that today I would think, no, psychoanalysis does not necessarily rely on the three times a week patients lying down on the couch. Yeah. It's not because Freud said it, that it is true. I'm going a bit abruptly here. I should have been more in contact with the first need of this patient and then how things turned south. It was not good for her. And the therapy is failed among other things, because of my inability to question this frame, because I was at the time so sure, and I needed, I wanted to be sure. You needed to be sure. That it was more was, about your anxiety. Yes. I was doing a good job, because she mm -hmm. was lying down and I was sitting behind the couch. Yes. And sometimes you just have to think like, okay, this is what I've been told to do. It doesn't seem to be working at all. Mm -hmm. I have to create something for this person. Correct. Yeah. And in a religious system, this is not allowed because questioning the rules means questioning this almighty beings. Well, it seems that you are talking about a more relational approach to psychoanalysis. In uh, America, it's called relational. In uh, France, it's just called psychoanalysis, yeah. uh, being closer <laughs> to its own time. <laughs> like, try to connect with your patients, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> And to go back to scientific discourse, I mean, I recently received a letter from an insurance and they know that I'm a licensed psychoanalyst and they still ask me for specific... For a plan, for yeah. treatment goals. I, I, have, I have this. Because this, uh -huh. this is, this is a, such a bitter, bitter sweet or bitter. It's only bitter. <laughs> only bitter. <laughs> There's no sweet in it. So a treatment plan including measurable goals and interventions, mm -hmm. clinical progress towards measurable goals, estimated length of treatment episode, current medications, dosage and frequency. Like, no, 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 no. Treatment plan is the patient comes and he, he needs to talk. Uh, measurable goals, I hope he's going to feel better. Intervention, <laughs> I'm listening to him. And clinical progress toward measurable goals, like... How do you measure anything? Yeah, oh yeah, my patient. Yeah. It's a discourse governed by the interest of the time, which are related to the expression of capitalism that we have today. And unfortunately, also to some branches of psychology that yeah. keep CBT, say that CBT is the path to healing. Yeah, so... This is something that uh, I connected to uh, the uh, modernity and postmodernity area that we live in. And that psychoanalysis is actually going against it. I find interesting to see, uh, just as a side note, that without transcendence, today the judiciary becomes a third in the society. 
the legitimate discourse is to say, well, the Supreme Court, especially in the US, said something. Mm -hmm. So now it's true. Like, we have a challenge. We don't know if this is right or wrong. So let's go to court. The court is going to decide. Mm -hmm. In that way, the court became the third that the religious tend to have before. Like mm -hmm. The truth is told by courts, the court system. Of course, it's not as totalitarian as it was at the time of religion. People are not burned anymore. So there's more flexibility than there was before. But still, the judiciary is becoming more and more as a third that religion uh, tend to be. So what do we do with our finitude, which is uh, very emphasized by uh, modernity and postmodernity, that we are limited in what we can do? I, I think it's interesting because that's exactly where psychoanalysis uh, stems from, mm -hmm. uh, in, meaning when Freud said that the subject is, or the ego is not the master in its own domain and how it created so much anxiety for people, but also how we can see that it's opening so many doors for our patients. To accept our own limits, as we can see with our patient, seems to also be a really powerful way for people we work with to actually go beyond them. Not only that we're limited by the unconscious, but also that we are limited by external reality. To and that those actually, two things are true. And to work with that, instead of only being anxiety-provoking, can lead to more creativity. Well... And that's then we go back to sublimation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what we produce when we work with our patients. Finally, I would like to say a quick word on the weakening of social links and how our, our current society, by leaving people more free to determine what they want to do, also creates a difficulty in terms of identification. Everyone has to be able to create his or her own path, which can create a lot of anxiety. If people don't have enough resources to sustain them, to help them, this is often connected to the weakening of identification supports. Because what we find, and especially in poor area, is how generations of poverty lead to a higher and higher difficulty to find identification supports. The father, the grandfather has been unemployed or mistreated by the society with underpaid job, etc. And how this actually affects very strongly a lot of people in our society. This might not be the people who we see when we have a private practice. Probably more people we see when we don't have a license yet. Mm -hmm or when you work in institutions, we have to stay sensitive to how the opportunities that we gain in our society can be also counterbalanced. Some people, they will stay stuck because they don't have access anymore to since my father was doing that, I'm doing that. Since my mother was doing that, I'm going to do that. They are free and in some ways, sometime and way too many times, people find themselves not just free but left alone. That's one of the consequences of the gains that we had. Mm -hmm. Makes me think that in the popular realm, some people say follow your passion yes, as a way of self-discovery and then functioning in the world. What about people who cannot find their passion? Exactly. It would be easier if they could follow their parents' path. So the demand of our society that we find our passion and follow it is quite anxiety-provoking for many or at least uh, some of the patients I work with. Exactly, and we can hear some of the acts of violence that we see currently around terrorism, like national terrorism or um, more international ones. 
as a reaction to that. Mm. When you see those um, all those uh, white supremacists who are fighting against women's rights, mm. against uh, LGBTQ uh, rights, they are fighting against a world where they feel probably expelled from. The expansion of the rights to what was before oppressed communities is an expression of modernity and postmodernity. And it does create a sense of void for people who have, as you say, might not have the resources in them to create something new. And they will attack those people as, mm -hmm. for them, an expression of who are oppressing them. Correct. Even if we know that it's not the case. Yes. But we can hear those extremely hateful reactions as a sense of people feeling completely disconnected, feeling disowned. Well, they are finding meaning and belonging. Through hate and violence. Correct. So that creates the, an external agent that makes them feel that they belong to the same community, let's say. They hate the same enemy. And it reminds me of, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who said that, but uh, uh, an American author mentioning how in the U.S. for a very long time, when you were white, you would always have someone below you because of slavery. Mm -hmm. and how the end of slavery turned things around mm -hmm. and that their skin color would not allow them for a special status. And we are still dealing with that, with the sense of loss and how the society did not provide for those people something to hold on to. This is it for today. Yeah. Before we conclude, I want to add that because of what we just said, it's important to keep in mind that in our reasoning, we distinguish understanding a phenomenon and agreeing with a phenomenon. So these two are different aspects. You know, one is about knowledge and the other is aligning oneself with the concept. I think as psychoanalysts, that's something we have to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We cannot agree with our patients every time, but we do have to try to deconstruct and to get a sense of where they come from. Mm -hmm. So same thing with people who are or feel disconnected from society because of the modernity aspect of it. We can understand them. doesn't mean we agree with some of the solutions they find to express their distress. Or in other words, if we pay attention to our dynamics, some people find a compromise and express in behavior things that can be destructive or not. So we are just trying to understand where it comes from. So if you like this podcast, don't forget to give us five stars on iTunes. I guess this is it for today. This is it for the months of July and August. We will come back in September with a new podcast of discussions on psychoanalysis. Bye-bye.